0: You're listening to the Sunday morning message from Clouds Creek Baptist Church. Join us for worship Sunday morning at 11. Or for more information, visit cloudscreek.org. Good morning. I I, I prayed this week and I told God, I said, look, I'm great with snow, but let's not have it on a Sunday again. Um, and thankfully he brought it on, on Friday. Did you get, who, did anybody else get snow? You got snow? A little bit? Yeah, I, I know it's technically considered snow, right? Like you can't just be like, I don't, I don't count that. that. That was snow. That was snow by Georgia standards, you know? Um, pretty rare that we get two snows in one year. That's pretty, pretty exciting, right? Like we're like, man, did, did we move to Kentucky? Like, like not all the way, not like way north, but like just a little bit, you know, just like a little bit, but Anyway, uh, I I enjoyed the snow, but I did miss you guys. I missed being with you guys uh, last week. Um, Oh, one thing that we didn't mention during announcements. We are going to be starting The Chosen Season 2 on Wednesday nights. We're going to pick up with Episode 4 because we watched the first three episodes um, together before. And then we're going to pick them up on the first Wednesday in February. So not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. We're going to pick up on The Chosen. If you haven't watched the first season, uh, it's in our church library, or you can watch it for free through The Chosen app that you can find in your app store. Um, so that's, I'm really excited about that. Um, anyway, how many of you guys, does anybody like to watch or go to soccer games? Just me, Devin, Marianne, that's it. Has anybody ever been to a Atlanta United soccer game? Just me alone on this one. Okay, how many of you guys have ever watched any part of uh, the World Cup or like professional European soccer? Anybody watched any of it? A couple of you guys. Okay, thankfully, that's going to make this next illustration make a whole lot more sense. So um, I've been to a lot of different sporting events. I think... I've been to all of the different sporting events you can go to on a professional level in Georgia, even went to a thrashers game back in the day. um, I went for free, otherwise I would not have gone. Um, I don't love hockey. So I've been to a lot of professional sports environments with varying degrees of awesome, right? If you've ever been to a Georgia game, you know it's really exciting. Like one side chants Georgia, the other side chants Bulldogs. That's cool. But for most of the game, you're just kind of sitting there, right? Like it's it's definitely just a a watching it happen. You are not any kind of participant. You cheer when good things happen. You boo when bad things happen. That does happen. But in European soccer, in um, international soccer, in Atlanta United, especially, soccer and just fun fact Atlanta United has five of the top 10 most attended soccer games in history. So if you're wondering if Atlanta United is a big deal, they're a pretty big deal. What's so cool about soccer games is you're never quiet. There is never a moment where the crowd is quiet. If you turn on a World Cup game, you're not like, I wonder if the crowd is there. Because the whole time, they are singing something or chanting something. They are almost active participants. And it is awesome. You feel a little left out at first because you're like, I, don't, I didn't like Google the chants before I came. Should I have looked up the words to this? And they are on YouTube, which is fun. Uh, so if you want to watch them, you can. But you can just chant and yell the whole game with everybody else. And if you're not part of it, it's awesome to watch. One of the coolest moments of the game is uh, they've got like a big drum and they hit it and they say, A, and everybody claps. T, and everybody claps, L, and it starts off really slow and you get faster and you get faster and it is one of the coolest moments i've ever heard in sports is when 90 plus 1000 people in unison are loud and then silent and then loud and then silent i say all that to say that there is such a feeling of unity at these soccer games that if you are not a part of it your thought is i want to be i got i got to look up the words to these chants i want to be a part of this And if you're on the visiting team, you just feel really defeated, and you you just got to sit there and listen to everybody else yell. But there's this feeling of unity in these soccer games. If you ever have the opportunity to go, I highly encourage it. It is a blast. But it it is a moment of unity, and it makes you want to be a part of it. That's what unity does, is it makes you want to be a part of this thing. And so Paul, in, in this letter to 1 Corinthians, he's going to talk about what unity looks like. He's going to point out the importance of unity. And I know it almost sounds like it's like, haven't we talked about this about four times during the series? Yes, we have. Because it's a, a reoccurring theme, it is an important thing for us as the church to get into this idea of unity. So we're going to pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 14. He says, therefore, my friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many, are one body, for we share the one loaf. One thing that we can see from this passage is that we are one people. That we as Christians, as believers, we are one people. Unity is a rare thing today. Do you guys feel more and more like the word United States is describing our country less and less? You know, it feels like there's red states and there's blue states. It feels like there's there's this kind of people and there's those kind of people. It feels like we are not as united as we once could be. Unity is a rare thing to experience, even in marriage. Marriage is supposed to be the example of unity to people, to the world. But as you guys know, divorce rates are incredibly high. So even in the one thing that's supposed to show what the unity looks like, that's broken too. That we don't have this idea, we don't have this, this unity anymore. You guys, uh, how many of you guys, when you were growing up, you were excited when you heard somebody knock on the door? Anybody? You're like, we've got company coming. Anybody? Just three of us. Nobody else. I find that really hard to believe. You guys have always just like ducked and hidden. Like I think that's, because that's what we do now, right? Like you hear somebody at the door and you're like, stop, get down, nobody's home, nobody's home, nobody's home. We're not answering the door, it's probably just Amazon anyway, we don't have to worry about it. But we've had, we have this kind of like siloed mentality that even in that, there's not a sense of unity amongst us as other people. We're like, please, I don't want anybody else in my house. Please don't come in my house. This is my space. I don't need, unless you've like done a lot of preparation. You're like, okay, now we can host and have people come over, right? Even that, I think, has shown the, the lack of unity that we have as humans at this point. That it's like, I would rather just be by myself. We have become much more tribal. We've become much more tribal. That's a big word. I don't know if you've heard people use this word, but it's, it's kind of gaining momentum. It's a word that people use more often. And, and tribalism is, is a group of people who have the same beliefs, values, views. Um, so the, the same people, it's like, hey, I don't have to deal with people who disagree with me. And in reality, what happens in tribalism is you see anybody who is outside of this group who has any kind of different view as the enemy. And we start to push people who are not a part of our tribe away. Does that start to sound familiar? Does that sound like our world today? That it's like I have this group of people that I I agree with. We all see the world the same. We all do things. And anybody who does not is, is other. And I'm going to push them away. And sometimes that pushing away can be more intense than in other situations. But... I have a, one of my favorite Christian rappers. His name is Andy Minio. He has a song in which he says, "We'd rather have a tribe than unity, so you and me divide." And that's what's happened: is we would rather belong to a small group of people than feel like maybe we don't belong. We would rather feel like, "Hey, I've got this group of people. We all act and think and see and feel the same way, and it doesn't really matter. I don't really. I'm not trying to be with other people because I have my my people." That's not what we're called to as believers. We're not called to live lives that are full of division. We're not called because unity is hard. Tribalism is super easy. That's like the easiest thing we can do. It's what Jesus says is like, dude, you got to love your enemies because loving the people who are just like you, even pagans can do that. Like You don't need God's love to love people who think and act just like you. Unity takes work. Unity is hard. Instead of looking for unity, what's happened is we have become entrenched in division. Oftentimes when someone believes differently than we do, we resort to argument, we resort to judgment instead of curiosity. We don't just ask, hey, well, why do you think that? You know, like that, that is such a, a foreign concept to just say, okay, well, I disagree with you, but I would love to know why. And I would love to know why you think that. Because most of the time our thought is, how could you think that? Isn't that our thought that it's like, how, how could you think that? Instead of trying to understand and say, well, let, I want to know what, what makes you think that. I'm genuinely curious and no place of judgment, but I want to understand this thought process better. Instead of just pushing people away. And it's infiltrated the walls of the church. It's infiltrated the walls of the church. You can even see it in just denominations, right? Denominations all spur from disagreements, We have to remember that the Methodists, the Lutherans, the Anglicans, the Pentecostal, other denominations, they're not our rivals. We're not trying to be a bigger church than the Methodist church down the street. We're not trying to be a bigger church than the Lutheran church across town. We're on the same team, worshiping the same God. We should be unified. We have political tribes. We have Thoughts on, on COVID that divide people, and we have to stop looking for things we disagree on and focus up on the things that bring us back together, that we are one people. I love that, that concept that Paul talks about that he says is not the cup of thanksgiving for we for which we give a, a thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ. We are participating together. These are our brothers and sisters, and what's happened is that we've focused on these peripheral issues. Because at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really matter who you vote for. It doesn't really matter your thoughts on COVID. It doesn't matter your favorite team. It doesn't matter if you think creation happened in six literal days or in 600,000 years. None of that matters. What matters is that we were all and we are all sinners, and there is one God who sent his one son to save us from our sin. He was raised from the dead three days later. That's what matters. Can I get some kind of amen? That's what matters. Romans chapter 10. This is Paul's exclam- uh, explanation on salvation. He says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. That's all it takes. That's all it takes, and we love to put different qualifiers on it, and I have some some bad news for you this morning. You are wrong about some of the things in the Bible. You are wrong. I am wrong about some of the things in the Bible, and I'm not saying that that it's like, oh, man, well, we should question everything. I mean, we probably should a little bit. But we should not hang on to everything like it is 100% right. Because there's nobody in this room who's gonna get to heaven and God's gonna be like, Gold Star, you figured it out. You were right on every issue that you had an opinion on. You were right. It's really hard for me to hear that. I'm very arrogant. I think I'm right about everything. Anybody else? Just me and Molly. Just me and Molly. And Carmen, I saw Carmen. We're the, us three. Okay, I'll just talk to you guys then for a, for a minute. I'll talk to you ladies. Everybody else, y'all just, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are way more humble than we are. <laughs> I like to think I'm right about everything. But I have to admit that even the things that, I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be the one who is like, he's probably got all the answers. And I don't. I, Lord willing, it is, it is very Minor but I'm sure that I have said things up here that are wrong. I don't love that idea. I try really hard to study and make sure that that's not what I'm saying, but I'm sure that there are. And I know my prayer is that the Lord gets up and says, I get up there and he's like, it's okay, you tried. You were trying your hardest and you were listening. We're all going to be wrong about some things. So let's stop making big deals out of small things, right? Let's stop making big deals out of these tiny molehills. Have you, uh, I'm going to, just a warning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. So get ready if you need, you guys have been a little slow on that this morning. Um, how many of you have ever argued with your spouse, not yet, about something that was dumb? Yeah, everybody in this room who is married has raised their hand. Not Pat. Pat's like, nope, everything I've argued about was good. What? Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. He did have his hand. We all argue over dumb things. If you're not married in this room, you probably have still argued with somebody about something. I was like, is this really what I'm arguing about? But I feel like it's every fight in marriage, right? It's like, there's only like two big fights that you ever have that actually make sense. Every other one is like, why you load the dishwasher that way? You're like, this is dumb. Why are we arguing about this? We've been yelling at each other for 45 whole minutes about the dishwasher or whose sock you're wearing. Like, We yell each other about the dumbest things in the one relationship we are supposed to be most unified in. These are the kinds of things we disagree on in the church. These are the kind of things that the church down the road that has a different name after their like first you know like you know they all got different names but like they got they got Baptist or Lutheran or Pentecostal or whatever. All these things that we've disagreed on that have split churches are these arguing over how to load the dishwasher of spirituality we are fighting over things that do not matter and paul is telling this to the church at corinth he's like listen you guys are you guys are straying off into the weeds and you're going to get stuck there and that's what happens is that churches get focused on things and you get focused on the wrong thing the wrong idea you wander off and then you get stuck they get stuck They get stuck divided instead of finding their way back to the main point and to making sure we're focused and centered on the gospel. I have a freeing realization for all of you this morning. And it's something I have to tell myself. It's something that I have learned in the past five years. It is not your job to figure out who is going to heaven. It is not your job to determine whether someone is going to heaven or not. Praise God, I would be terrible at that job. But so often, so often, I've spent years of my life thinking, man, that person's not saved because they disagree on some how to love the dishwasher issue. It's not our job to figure it out. It's not our job to think, well, you can't believe this and go to heaven. Not our job. Not our job. It is so freeing to take that off of your plate. It is so freeing to not have to think about, to take off the idea of, well, I don't know, what do you think? Do you think they're saved or not? I don't care. I don't care. One of my favorite quotes I've ever experienced about this division, uh, when I was in college, I was a youth pastor at a Methodist church for three years. And I talked to the pastor, his name, uh, his name was Scott, and I talked to him one week and I said, uh, it was very early on and I was like, so I have a question. Methodists believe you can lose your salvation. They call it backsliding. They think you can lose your salvation uh, and then that you can get your salvation back. You can come back and repent. And, and then Baptists, they would say, well, if somebody is acting like they're not saved, they were never really saved to begin with. That that initial salvation wasn't really you know, real. And so they, they've never really saved. And so now they're just still not saved. So I was asking Scott, I was like, so we have different views on, views on this. So what do we, how do we find the middle ground? And he said, you know what? In both of those situations, you and I would agree that that person needs Jesus. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter what we call it. Doesn't matter if they lose their salvation, if they don't lose their salvation. If, you can, if you're all once saved, always saved, doesn't matter. That's not a prerequisite for getting to heaven. When we read this verse in Romans, it doesn't say, if you declare it with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. No. The path of salvation, believe Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. That's it. That is all. So when we start to add things to that, when we start to add that we have to do certain works or believe certain things, we've, we've strayed off of the path of the gospel. Again, speaking on unity, Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. This is the key. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What's cool about this this call to unity that Paul is giving is it was far more radical for him than it was for us. Because I think even on most things we would agree like, yeah, the things that we disagree on, the things that we dig our heels on, get entrenched in, they're kind of like non-big issues, right? But Paul was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. He was like the the most holy, most righteous leader of the Jews. That's where Paul sat. And the Gentiles were unclean. Like when we read stories in scripture about like, um, like the Good Samaritan... That it's like, oh, well, the religious men, they walked on the other side of the road. It's because they didn't want to become unclean from touching a Gentile. And also they thought the body could be dead. They were doing their best to be good, righteous, holy. That was their focus. And this is Paul's focus. He, He says, he's like, I was, I had it all together. When it comes to the old standards, when it comes to how things used to be done, I had it all together. These were people, the Gentiles, that the Jews were constantly at war with. They very much had a tribalism mentality of like, we can't get married to these people, we can't touch these people, we can't do anything with these people. we got to push them away was their mentality. So for Paul to come together and say, you got to be one with those people, that was far more radical than anything we're going to be asked to do in our lifetime potentially. This was a massive mind shift for Paul. To say these people that I used to not even be able to interact with, they're my brothers, they're my sisters. I'm called to share fellowship, to share bread with these people that I cannot stand. And it had to, be, it had to have been rewritten in the way that his mind functioned. Because this is a massive change for Paul. So, he's calling for these people in Corinth. He's calling for us to be unified no matter what else we disagree on. Because I guarantee you, the things that we disagree on are not as big as the things that Paul disagreed with the Gentiles on. So, how do we do that today? How do we do that in 2022, right? I got the year right now. You guys, are anybody still writing 21 when you're writing the date on accident? You're like, man. I don't write things down ever. I'll just only type things. But you, get, you understand. I think the two things that we can focus on for unity are to stay humble and stay focused. Stay humble and stay focused. Because we think too highly of our own opinions that don't matter. I know I do. Think too highly of my opinions on things that don't matter. Because like I said, we're going to be wrong about some things. When we start to hold on to those things more loosely, when we allow ourselves to learn from Scripture, to learn from others, that's when we're going to be more open to other people. We'll be less likely to push away other people if we're less stubborn with our own views. Again, I don't say this because I'm perfect at it, right? I'm not preaching this from a place of, I've got this figured out. You guys should do like I do, because I am very stubborn. You can come up to me and I will argue with you about almost anything. Okay, okay, Allie, you smiled a little too big and nodded your head a little too big about that. <laughs> Devin knows, Devin and I host a podcast together. I will argue with him about something for the sake of argument. I will just I will just be like, nope, I disagree. And be like, if you had asked me beforehand, I probably would not have said that. But I will argue with you about anything. I'm awful at this, okay? This is something the Lord is working on through, <laughs> working on, in me, through this. I've been trying to get it right for years. Hopefully one day I'll get it right. Amen. Anybody else feel that way? That You're like, one day, one day I'll get it right. We have to have the approach of putting others in their ideas equal or greater to ourselves. We have to think that person probably is smarter than me. That person probably has more figured out than I do. And I should, I should respect their views, their words, their opinions, give them the benefit of the doubt. We can't just assume somebody else is less intelligent or less saved because of their views. We can't have that approach that somebody else is less saved or less intelligent because we disagree with them on some issues. We have to keep the main thing the main thing. That's one thing that I get frustrated with a lot of times when you listen to things that are happening at like the Baptist meetings and like all the arguments they're having and stuff. And what's cool is you'll always hear one group that's like, but this is all the mission work we're doing. Like, this is all, this, this is all the good, like, can we keep the main thing, the main thing? That's one thing we have to do is keep the main thing, the main thing. If we stray too far off the path, we're going to get stuck. When we don't have focus, it leads to us bickering over irrelevant issues we're on the same team. We have to fight for unity and not against it. Paul points out that we are one people and we serve one God. We stay focused on the fact that we are one people and we serve one God. He said we are one body and we share one loaf and he's emphasizing this point that there is only one God, which was more of a, a revolutionary concept to the people of Corinth than I, I would say it probably is here. People of Corinth, you know, they had the, the Greek gods. They had these tons of temples in the city of Corinth that people were worshiping these other gods, and that was what they were taught, is there are all of these other gods. And so I think this is, this is more relevant to people who would say and who think that there are multiple ways to get to heaven. People who think that, hey, well, you know, it's just whatever path you choose is, is you know, your path and all roads lead to, to heaven. One of my favorite uh, stand-up comedians was Mark Lowry. Uh, also was a member of the Gaithers. Love Mark Lowry. Fantastic. He's who made me fall in love with stand-up comedy. Love him. And he always, he said, uh, you know, if, if all roads lead to the same place, when you're headed home, just get on any road. Just get on any road and it'll take you home. It's like, that's not how roads work you got to get on the right road. I don't don't think this is an issue that we have as much. Uh, I'm not saying that it's not at all, but I think for the most part in the South, we don't really have this issue. I think if you were to just walk up to anybody in the grocery store and say, how many gods are there? Most people in the South would probably say, one. Now, whether or not they know him and have a relationship with him, probably not. But it is something that we have been taught. I'm a big fan of the Marvel movies. Anybody else like the Marvel movies, Captain America, Iron Man? Love them. Love them. I see all of them. I think I've seen all of them in theaters. Love them. In one of them, uh, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was Captain America's Civil War. He sees um, Loki, who is like a a god from a different planet, right? And uh, he says that, and Captain America says, Where I come from, there's only one god, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Which is funny. But you should have been in the theater when it happened. And there are all these people like, Woo! Amen! Amen! Because we're in the South, right? Like, most people, they admit that. They acknowledge, like, there is one God. Most people do not have a relationship with Him. That is the truth. But there is one God. And that's part of what drives me crazy. Is that we all believe in the same God, but we can't agree on these different things. We have these things that divide us. And it's like, no, but we, we, are, we have one God and we're, we're one body and we share one loaf. My biggest pet peeve, I'm really thankful that it's not the case here. My biggest pet peeve is when there's a church next door to another church. Or when there's a church across the street from another church. Most of the time this happens in like downtown areas. And it'll be like the Baptist church is right across the street from the Lutheran church. I'm like, really? Y'all needed a different address? Like, that's how badly you can't even sit in the same room as these people? There's this one church that I drive past when I go to my parents' house. Sorry, two churches. That I drive past, and they literally share a side yard. Church, yard, church. And they're all there on Sundays. And I'm like, what are you doing? You guys are on the same team. Now, I do not know the, church, the relationship of those churches. Maybe they're really good friends. Maybe they all go to lunch together and hang out and spend time. Like, I don't know that. But it's a pet peeve of mine because it's like, we can't, we can't figure out a way to just keep the main thing the main thing. We can't realize that we're all serving one God. Let's, let's figure out a way around these other issues. Because again, you share the same bed as your spouse. If you're weird, you share the same toothbrush as your spouse. There's a little bit of judgment when I said that. Uh, but you don't agree on everything, Right? There's things that you disagree on. There's things that you disagree on with the other, and you're like, we just, we don't talk about that, right? Like, or, or whatever it is that you figured out a way to avoid that issue, whatever it may be, to, to live around, to, to puzzle piece your way, and to say, you know what, I believe in this, they believe in this, but we, we figure out a way to make it work. We can't do that as the church. I will say it is important that we don't back down on the idea that there is one God. That is one thing that it is a non-negotiable, it's not a peripheral issue. And we have to realize when people are talking about a different God. Because there are groups that will tell you they are a Christian, but they do not believe in the essentials of the gospel. When I read that verse from Romans that it's like, this is how you're saved, they do not believe that way. For example, Mormons. Mormons don't believe that there is only one God. They think God is just a God, and that if you live on this earth and live a good life, that eventually you will become the God of your own universe, your own world. They also uh, believe that there's not just one God. They believe that God is plural and we have a father in heaven and a mother in heaven. Uh, They do not believe that Jesus is God, which is an essential belief of the gospel. They have strayed from the gospel. They have abandoned the foundational truths that is the gospel. Similarly, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is not actually the Son of God. They believe that he was the Archangel Michael until he came to earth and then he became Jesus. They also deny that Jesus is God, and they deny that he was physically resurrected from the dead. Again, these are things that are essential beliefs. And, And I say that because it is important for us to know that although it's not our job to figure out who is saved or who is not, it is important to draw a hard line of what is worship of our God and what is a false religion. We have to know who we can have unity with. We cannot have unity with those groups. We cannot have unity with people of Islam or Hinduism or Judaism. We cannot have the same type of unity or we're not called to the same type of unity. We are as the church. Just like I talked earlier about these soccer games and these soccer fans. You sit in the same stadium. You sing the same songs. You're cheering for the same team they're not going to be able to to be co-fans with fans of other teams. If you go over to Europe, there are literally groups that follow the teams around and they fight each other and kill each other before and after the games. That is a reality of what happens in Europe, that there are these fans that are so dedicated, they will literally kill members of other, fans of other teams. I'm not saying that that's what we should do. Please don't kill anybody don't kill anybody, don't even fight anybody because they believe differently than you. That's not what I'm saying either. I'm just pointing out that we have to believe when we say there is one God, we have to all be talking about the same God. To experience unity, we have to make sure we're talking about the same God. And we can believe there is one God and disagree on these little things. Jesus says in, uh, in John chapter 14, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a hard thing to, to grasp. It's a, sometimes it can be a hard truth. That it's like there's these other people who are trying their best and they're not going to get there. Jesus says he is the only way that there is only one God and that's what unites us. Imagine how cool it's going to be when we get to the point that we all grasp that we're on the same team working towards the same goal. And we're unified in Jesus because of that. And I say, how cool is it going to be? Because I truly believe it will happen. I have to believe that we will work past these issues as the church and we will say, we are the church. We are not the Baptist church. We are not the Methodist church. We are not the Lutheran church. We are the church Last time we met, I talked about how um, the enemy does not need to attack the church in America from outside the church. It does, that does, he doesn't even have to do that. He's doing it inside the church. He has divided us inside the church. I, I truly, I do not, I don't think that it's, it's a thing. I could be wrong because I've never been there. But in these countries where they're being killed for being Christians when they meet in secret because it is illegal to practice Christianity, they just want to study a Bible, when owning a Bible could get them killed, I highly doubt that they're like, here come the Methodists. I highly doubt that they're like, those people are not saved. Did you see what they were wearing in church? I don't think that they have those divisions. And it might be what it takes here. But so far, the enemy has been successful in in keeping the church down by just keeping us divided, having us disagree over how we load the dishwasher. That's what the enemy has done. And we have, I truly believe, that we will experience that unity together where we are one church. And even though we, we probably all agree that there is one God, many of us attempt to serve more than one master. Paul continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, picking up at verse 18, he says, Consider all the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean that the food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of, the demons, of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Part of what he's communicating to the, the people of Corinth is that it's like, listen, we're trying to be one people serving one God. That's the goal. And you guys are one person trying to serve two different kingdoms. You can't do that. You cannot live in a way that says God is the only and one true God and also participate in worship to another one. I'll ask you this question, can you be a Georgia fan and a Florida fan? No. You cannot. I I say that. I mean, for for what is there is there 10 weeks? 10 weeks in the college football season? 12? 12 12 weeks? For 11 weeks, you can be both a Georgia and a Florida fan. But when it comes to Halloween weekend, you cannot be both a Georgia fan and a Florida fan because one of those teams is going to have to lose. One of those teams is going to beat the other one. Go dogs! And so what happens, though, is that we spiritually... We cannot serve two masters. We can't say, I follow God and try to do these other things. In Matthew, Jesus is actually talking about money. And he tells us that we shouldn't focus on building up earthly treasures, but treasures in heaven. And then he says this in in Matthew chapter 6. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So when Paul talks in 1 Corinthians and he's, he's explaining to them, you can't worship more than one God, he's echoing Jesus saying you cannot serve two masters. You cannot have God be your master and money be your master. You cannot serve two masters. It's impossible because they're going to pull you in different directions, especially when they have two completely different goals. Because the kingdoms of this world are self-focused, They're focused on how can I look good? How can I make more money? How can I have more power? How can I be more loved? How can I uh, provide better? How can I do whatever it may be? It's all me focused. But when we talk about the kingdom of God, it is completely other focused. How can I serve others? How can I put God first? How can I love my neighbor? It is focused on how can I do something for other people? And so when you're trying to serve that and anything else in this world, it's going to be pulling you in two opposite directions. It's not like, oh, well, I mean, even in the analogy I use, like Georgia and Florida, both, they're, they're both in the SEC. They're both, they're very similar. So for the most part, like it's not too difficult to be both of those things. And there's just like a one time that it's like, oh, we can't really do both But when it comes to serving two masters spiritually, these are things headed in opposite directions. Yeah, so it's way harder than trying to be a Georgia fan and a Florida fan. If that don't ring true home to y'all, I don't know what will. It's harder than that to try to serve two masters and think, you know what, well, I can build up my own kingdom and I can can do the things that I want to do and also like serve the Lord a little bit and like go to church when I want to and kind of be involved and, uh, you know, read my Bible occasionally and, and I can do all of this and I can do that. But mostly I'm also, uh, you know, trying to build up my 401k and I'm not, I, I give to the church like a little bit and I'll help those in need like when it's easy. But for the most part, like I'm trying to take care of me and my family and I'm trying to do this, like these are two different kingdoms. You can't do both and do either one well because we're not called to do that. We're called to serve the one God, our one master. We must be careful that we're not trying to be a Christian just as much as it doesn't conflict with something else in our life. It's like, oh, I'll I'll do all the things. I want to follow God. I want to be more like him. Uh, As long as it's really easy, as long as like it doesn't You know, I've got this other thing, this like thing I'm trying to do over here. And as long as it doesn't like interfere with these thoughts and beliefs, I'll, I'll, I'll follow up until that point. We cannot have culture be our master and God be our master. We have to fully surrender to God and defend against other things, other kingdoms that are trying to vie for our heart, our attention, our money, our talents, our time. We have to guard against those things and say, I serve one master. Because those things that are other, that's what creates division. When we're all focused, if we were all focused on serving one master, those other things that create division, they don't matter. When you are at the football stadium cheering for your team, you're not thinking, man, I wonder if that guy on the other side of the stadium, I wonder if he disagrees with me on who should be the starting quarterback. You don't care. You're all like, I'm cheering for my team. We are here to do this one goal. We have this one thing we're focused on, and that's what we're paying attention to. We start to realize that we only have the one mission and we lay down all of our other pursuits for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of serving the one and building up the one kingdom, that is when we're going to have unity. That is when we are going to experience the love for people that disagree with us because it doesn't matter. We're going to experience the unity that God intended for us to have because as one people with one God, we should strive for unity and serve God only, Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for the church. God, thank you for, um, for these people that you have entrusted the ministry of the gospel with. And that we don't always get it right. And God, I pray that you would help us to, to learn how to have unity. That you would help us to overcome the work that the the enemy has done, the work that Satan has done in the United States of dividing the church. And that you would help us to find ways to keep the main thing the main thing and say, This is my brother, I don't care what you believe about these other issues, because we have the same mission. We're all fighting for the same purpose. You would help us to focus so much on the mission that would help the other things to just kind of fade into the background because we are devoted to being people who love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and that we are trying to love our neighbor as ourself. That we are going to the ends of the earth to share the gospel, starting in our, our own circles our own local areas going to the ends of the earth and we would remember that that is our focus and god that you would protect us help us distinguish when we are attempting to serve two masters when we are trying to build up our own kingdom and also on the side uh, do the things we think we're supposed to do for you and god you would just help us to say no i will only serve one master there is one God and we are one people. God, I pray for unity. I pray that you would start it with us. That we would love our brothers and sisters in Christ. In a way that unifies us. It says, I don't care about your, these other things because we're on one mission. Let us be humble. And let us stay focused. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.